Hey everyone, welcome to episode 6 of Bench Talk Sports. This week I'm going to be talking about the NFL, college football, the MLB playoffs, and doing an NBA season preview at the end, which I'm very excited for. Uh, the first regular season game starts next week. It's going to be a great season. Uh, but first of all, let's jump into the NFL. On Thursday night, the Patriots beat the Giants. In what was a surprisingly close game during the first half, but then the Patriots just stood up and stopped the Giants' offense entirely in the second half. Uh, the defense did look a little bit weak coming out, but I think part of it was due to being a short week and playing on Thursday night. The Jets actually got their first win this week against Dallas. Uh, Sam Darnold looked really good against Dallas, but um, I think the bigger storyline here is that Dallas has now lost three in a row. Two of the losses, you can argue, the Packers and the Saints were better teams. But the Dallas Cowboys really have a lot of talent on paper. They should have beat the Jets. And I think Jerry Jones has to be disappointed. Dak wants a payday, but he hasn't performed in three weeks. Jason Garrett is appearing to meddle with the offense, and the offense is slowing down entirely. Not sure what's going on, but lucky for them, Philadelphia lost to Minnesota in an inspired performance by Kirk Cousins actually stepping up and beating a good team. Uh, Stephon Diggs caught two touchdowns from Cousins, so I think it's safe to say whatever problems those two are having chemistry-wise is solved, and they look to be back on track. Dalvin Cook, of course, has been playing out of his mind. The Minnesota defense is good. All in all, great performance by the team, and they look positioned, positioned to make a run at the division if they can beat Green Bay. Speaking of, Green Bay beat Detroit last night in... A game that was really decided by the referees. There were two illegal hands to the face call against Trey Flowers during third downs in the fourth quarter, which gave the Packers free first downs. And upon review, Trey Flowers' hands literally never touched Bakhtiari's face. Bakhtiari should get an Oscar for the faking job he did. And it's just yet another example of the refs meddling and changing the outcome of the games very directly. And again, the NFL hasn't stepped up. They haven't said anything. And this is a real problem. Like, I've been saying it now. I think the noise is getting louder and louder. This is happening in primetime games. You know, the referees have never been really good. But, you know, usually the big mistakes were covered up. They'd have good refs on Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football. And they'd make sure the primetime games, you know, didn't have anything egregious going on. In the Kansas City game, they called back a pass interference because the ball wasn't thrown to Kelsey, but the penalty was with the defender who was on Kelsey, which is valid. That would be a defensive holding. But instead of changing it to a holding, they went from pass interference to no penalty at all. There wasn't a challenge zone to begin with, actually. Both the offensive and defensive line were set, ready to snap the ball, and the refs just up and decided to interfere. Uh, we also got to see Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs exposed a little bit by the Houston Texans. I think what we've seen in the past two weeks is that Patrick Mahomes' ability to create magic out of thin air is entirely what runs the Chiefs organization. And with Patrick Mahomes having a bum left ankle for the past two weeks, he hasn't been able to be this lights-out next-year quarterback and carry the team because the Chiefs really have no defense. And... Uh, that's being, becoming a problem because they're going to need to uh, shore up when the offense gets injured. Tyreek Hill is starting to work his way back in the lineup, so that'll help the offense. But as Patrick Mahomes gets beat around because the offensive line isn't protecting him well, 
and the defenses can sell out to the pass, the de- uh, the Chiefs' defense really needs to step up, and they haven't. And for that reason, I think the Chiefs are slipping, and they look a little bit vulnerable. Uh, the Denver defense is extremely hot. They had seven sacks in a shutout against Tennessee, and they're playing the Chiefs on Thursday night. I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a closer game than people expect. Uh, I hope the Broncos win. I think there's a chance, but at the same time, uh, Patrick Mahomes is a beast. But I think on short rest, they might have a chance to get the upset. Uh, the Chargers are not playing well. Uh, the Chargers lost again. I don't know what's going on with the Chargers, really. They looked out of the gate to be a decent team. Uh, on paper, they're talented. Melvin Gordon is back, but they're still unable to put anything together. Uh, the Seahawks, let's move over to the NFC. The Seahawks won again in a close game, but they won. The defense showed out. Russell Wilson showed out. The 49ers are undefeated. They actually beat the Rams. And I know last week I said I wasn't completely sold on the Niners and they have to beat a good team, but they just did that. The defense looks very legitimate. Jimmy Garoppolo's playing all right. And the run game is really carrying them, actually. Tevin Coleman's playing lights out. In the NFC South, the Saints are balling. They're undefeated without Drew Brees. And Drew Brees is set to come back in a couple of weeks. Their defense has really stepped up when Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been able to score. And Bridgewater's doing just enough to get by. And as soon as they drop Brees back into that offense, I think they're the team to beat in the NFC. The Carolina Panthers are undefeated with Cam Newton out. I think Christian McCaffrey is putting together an MVP-type season for himself. I really hope he gets more consideration. I know running backs usually don't, but he's having a lights-out year for Carolina. And Carolina actually got to test out one of the more weird rules. I've never seen this happen in a football game before Sunday. Uh, Taking a free kick after a fair catch on a punt, where it's basically a kickoff, but instead of a tee, you have a holder. And if the ball goes to the uprights, it counts as a field goal. And you can only do it after catching a fair catch on a punt. And Carolina did it. They didn't make it, unfortunately. It would have been cool to see that. But interesting rule, interesting play nonetheless. And the Buccaneers had a horrible, horrible day. Jameis Winston threw five interceptions. Mike Evans dropped a free touchdown. And the Atlanta Falcons also had a bad day. Uh, They just got beat by the Arizona Cardinals with a rookie quarterback, no offensive line, no real defense to speak of either, and I'm very disappointed in the Falcons. It seems that ever since Kyle Shanahan left to San Francisco, everything's gone wrong for the Falcons. Dan Quinn, who is noted as a defensive coach, hasn't been able to put together a good defense. It doesn't look great. Um, Let's see who else played. We talked about the Giants. We talked about the Cowboys. Oh, the Redskins. That is a fun game. That was a tank bowl. Two 0-4 teams coming in, the Miami Dolphins and the Washington Redskins. And this was hilarious. The Redskins got out to this huge lead early, and then the Dolphins really couldn't do anything until the fourth quarter. The Dolphins turn it around, get a touchdown, and presumably they'd kick the extra point, tie the game, go to overtime. Instead, the Dolphins go for two, and with possibly the lowest effort two-point conversion I've ever seen, failed to get the two points and lost. They're still in contention for the number one overall pick, and Washington now has one win, taking them one win behind Miami, trying to tank for Tua Tagovailoa next year. Speaking of Miami, let's move on to college football, where I'm pretty sure there are two or three teams that are better than the Miami Dolphins currently. I didn't watch a ton of college football this weekend, but the games I did see, I watched Georgia get upset by South Carolina in what was a really weird game. Uh, Jake Fromm threw this interception where, in overtime, 
with the ball just bouncing right out of the receiver's hands. Um, and that's honestly what lost from the game. If they kick the field goal in the first overtime, South Carolina missed their field goal. Uh, but then Georgia missed the field goal in second overtime and South Carolina won at that point. Uh, this game was really crazy, though, because I really expected Georgia to run all over South Carolina. Uh, on paper, they're a much better team. Better O-line, better D-line, better quarterback, better skill positions, better everything. And they weren't able to get it done. And, you know, I guess that's what's great about college football. There's always great upsets. And I don't think this is going to hurt Georgia's playoff chances too much if they're able to run the table and win the SEC, beat Florida, and then win an SEC championship game. I think they're still well in contention for the playoffs. Next game is LSU. They dominated Florida. Uh, they looked really, really good. The defense stepped up. Joe Burrow stepped up against a quality SEC defense. I think this is the first or this is the second time that we've seen Joe Burrows play against a good defense, Florida and Texas. And he played excellent in both games. He's proving to have to show that LSU is one of the best offenses in the country, which we're not used to saying. And another great offense is Oklahoma, I would say, um, which actually also beat Texas this week. So they are probably the two teams in the country better than Texas. Texas looked really good against both LSU and Oklahoma, losing both of them. Both of them are high-scoring games. They lost both by just one score. Um, but, wow, that was a really good game between Texas and Oklahoma. It was a great game by LSU. Upsetting game by Georgia. Uh, Michigan almost lost to Illinois after being up 28-0. to They were close. It was 28-25 to in the third quarter, and then they had a blocked punt and took care of it but wow Jim Harbaugh is not inspiring a lot of confidence in me when I'm watching this Michigan team on paper they they should have a great defense they should have some problems fixed on offense but that just hasn't been the case this season Wisconsin and Ohio State keep on rolling and I think they're the two best teams in the Big Ten Wisconsin behind the strength of Jonathan Taylor's running back and Ohio State behind the transfer of fields and he's playing exceptionally well out there Next up, I want to quickly touch on the baseball playoffs. The Nationals are up 2-0 on the St. Louis Cardinals. This Nationals team is really exciting to watch. It's funny, they lost Bryce Harper in the offseason. Free agency was a disaster, but their pitching staff has come up huge. As a team, they're batting great in the playoffs. It looks like they can beat the Cardinals and move on uh, to the World Series, which would be awesome where they'd be playing either the Astros or the Yankees, who are currently tied in their series, went to 11 innings last night. Great game. Great pitching on both ends. Uh, good batters. This game is studded with star power. Uh, these are two of the best teams in baseball, uh, two of the best records in baseball. And this is going to be an ALCS for for the ages. It looks very exciting so far. Like I said, tied series. Both games have been good. I look forward to watching the rest of this, and the Nats are going to have a tough time playing whoever comes out of the AL, but they've been on somewhat of a hot streak. They've had some good luck on their side, so who knows, maybe they could upset whoever comes out of the AL. We'll have to see. Next up, I want to jump into my NBA preview. So first off, I want to start by talking about the Denver Nuggets. I think they've looked really good so far in the preseason. Things coming out of their training camp looked really good. Uh, Nikola Jokic looks a little bit slow in the preseason. But I think it's just a function of him trying to take it easy and not get injured in the preseason. People who've stood out during the preseason, though, Will Barton is looking very confident, very athletic. Uh, he seems to be recovering well from his injuries. Michael Porter Jr. has shown uh, as a rookie that he can be productive. 
Uh, I know he played a lot of garbage time minutes in the first two games, but against Phoenix, he got reps with the starters and he got reps with the second team, and he was playing exceptionally well. He's a hustle rebounder. He gives max effort on defense, and I think he has the fundamental tools to be good on defense. I think he's going to take some time to adjust to the NBA, and that's fine. Uh, Torrey Craig and Juancho Hernan Gomez didn't look as good in that competition for the starting small forward spot. I think they're going to default to Will Barton starting as the season begins. He's a veteran. He's been there before. He's proven to be good in the Nuggets system as a starter. And I think that Michael Porter Jr. might have a larger bench role than initially expected. Jeremy Grant has proven to be a fantastic addition. He's been a great complement to the team as an athletic four who can shoot, play, and defend all five positions. He can finish. He's not a great rebounder. But Nikola Jokic is such a great rebounder, and Mason Plumlee's a good rebounder, and Paul Millsap's a good rebounder, so we can pair Grant in certain lineups to make sure that there's a rebounder alongside him. And that's those were my big takeaways from the Nuggets preseason. Uh, next up, I want to talk about the league at large, who I think the contenders are, and what I'm excited for on those teams, and then uh, kind of go through the rest of the teams, who I think might have a chance to compete for playoff spots, who I think are just going to take time to develop, who the interesting talent is going to be to watch, etc. So first of all, I want to go through my contenders. It's pretty crazy. I see seven legitimate title contenders in the Western Conference and two in the Eastern Conference. So conference imbalance is crazy, as always, in the NBA. Uh, so we'll start with the East, because the list is just shorter. I think the best team in the East is the Philadelphia 76ers. They bring back a very talented team that was a Kawhi Leonard buzzer beater away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals and also had the similar personnel to try to defend Giannis with Joel Embiid inside and Ben Simmons at the perimeter. And they made a great addition in the offseason in Al Horford, who is one of the only defenders in the NBA who can consistently shut down Joel Embiid. And now he's teammates with Joel Embiid. So this is a great look for the 76ers. I think if Ben Simmons can shoot even 30% from uh, three-point range, that's going to add a huge amount of versatility to this offense. Ben Simmons is already a great defender, great passer, great rebounder, great interior finisher. Uh, you add just a little bit of a jump shot, this is the team to beat. And the second team in the East, I think, is Milwaukee. Uh, Giannis is going to be better than ever. He's been working out hard. The problem for me is I think they lost Malcolm Brogdon, who while he would have been expensive, I think it was great to have a knockdown sharpshooter, 50-40-90 kind of guy next to Giannis when Giannis can draw these double teams into the paint. But Chris Middleton's a good player. Bledsoe has his moments. Brooke Lopez is a good player. And all in all, you know, if they play in the East, they're going to have some nice cannon fodder to get a high win count to try to get a home, home court advantage against the Sixers, and that's going to be great Eastern Conference Finals, in my opinion. Now, moving on to the West, I think, like I said, seven contenders. My top two contenders come out of L.A. They are the Clippers and the Lakers. The Clippers obviously signed Kawhi Leonard in free agency, traded for Paul George, losing Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, Danilo Gallinari, and a boatload of draft picks in the process. But if you look at it, the price as for both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard seems kind of reasonable. The team's very good. I think this is one of the best teams in the NBA this year. Excuse me. I think they may not have the best record in the NBA because I think, you know, uh, Paul George is injured for the first month of the season. Kawhi Leonard is on load management. Uh, they may be kind of trying to save it for the playoffs. But this team has the depth. They've been together as a team for a while. There's only two new players, whereas you look at a team like the Lakers with all the roster turnover they had. 
Uh, they've got a great championship caliber head coach in Doc Rivers. So I think the Clippers are going to be a great, fun team to watch. Uh, the next up, let's talk about the Lakers. They have, obviously, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who are two of the top five players in the NBA right now. It's a tough combination to beat. Uh, the Lakers' big weakness for me is their depth, and LeBron is old, so he's going to be on load management. AD has a propensity to get hurt a lot. He might play a high number of games, but he doesn't play a lot of minutes. So we're going to see how he does in L.A., if he can stay healthy for a whole season. And we're really going to have to see if one of these supporting cast pieces can shine this year to make it work for the Lakers. A Rajon Rondo or an uh, Avery Bradley or even like a JaVale McGee type to just really step up and help propel this Lakers team forward because LeBron and AD are going to need a little bit help, especially with how good all the teams in the West are. Next up, I think the Nuggets are a title contender. They have an MVP candidate in Nikola Jokic on the team. Jamal Murray... I think he's going to continue to improve as a point guard. Gary Harris is healthy. Michael Porter Jr. is a background rookie of the year candidate. I know all the hype is on Zion, and I personally think John Morant has a really good chance at winning the award. But very deep team. They were the number two seed in the West last year. They'll be back and strong this year as well. Continuity is great. They only added one new player in Jeremy Grant. They look primed and ready to go. Next up, I got the Utah Jazz. I think they were really a good point guard away from making some noise. They added Bogdanovich out of Indiana. They added Mike Conley out of Memphis. And they've, of course, kept Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. It should be a very potent team. Conley's a great defender. Gobert's a great defender. Donovan Mitchell's a very consistent bucket getter. The Jazz are going to be a great team, fun team to watch. Next up in the West, I got the Portland Trailblazers. They bring back Dame and CJ, obviously. Dame got that $200 million contract. They bring in Hassan Whiteside from Miami because Nurkic is going to be injured to start the season. Rodney Hood's going to be starting at the uh, small forward position, so we'll see how that goes. Zach Collins is developing well. The Trailblazers were in the Western Conference Finals last year. I don't think they'll make it that far this year, but they've got a decent team, and they'll be making some noise in the playoffs for sure. Nobody's going to want to play them because of the way that Damon CJ can just shoot. Next up, I've got the Rockets. I think Russell Westbrook and James Harden are primed to win a lot of regular season games. I think they might have the best record in the West, maybe the NBA. But I don't know if they're going to be successful in the playoffs. It's going to be tough for them. Uh, Russ and James just don't have a track record of doing well in the playoffs. Maybe they put it together this year. It's going to be difficult to balance their minutes as they're both very high usage rate players. I think... James Harden is going to have to play a lot more off ball, and we really haven't seen how effective it is. It might be extremely effective, but we haven't had the opportunity to watch them play that style of basketball yet, so I still have to reserve some judgment. And my last contender in the West, I have the Golden State Warriors. And I know Klay Thompson is out and Kevin Durant left, Andre Iguodala is gone, but they still have Steph, Draymond, and they added D'Angelo Russell. I would not be surprised if Steph Curry's usage rate went through the roof until Klay Thompson gets back. I think he's going to be a strong MVP candidate this year just because he's going to have to shoulder so much of the load. The Warriors don't have very much depth. They don't have a good big man to compete with the likes of Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic or even Clint Capella in the West or Rudy Gobert even. Um, so Steph Curry's really just going to have to carry this team from the perimeter. You know, if he plays a style of basketball that James Harden has played for the last couple of years, isolation heavy, and just, you know, take the most efficient score and give him the most efficient shot and shoot, 
I think Steph Curry is gonna has would have a chance to lead the league in scoring. I think he's a little too selfless. Like he'd want to get D'Angelo Russell and other people involved in the offense more. So he may not, you know, score 35, 36, but I think he'll score 30 points a game, and he will really have to put this Warriors team on his back until Clay can get healthy, which would be in time for the playoffs. And if the Warriors are a low seed, that would be a first-round matchup I'd want to avoid playing, you know, a, a rested Clay coming in, a very hot Steph. And if at that point they've either traded D'Angelo Russell or somehow integrated Clay as the three, D'Lo as the two, Steph as the one, I'm not quite sure how that lineup would look. But Steve Kerr is a smart guy. I'm sure he'll figure something out. So now I want to move into kind of the pack. We've talked about seven Western Conference teams, and obviously there's eight playoff teams. So who in the West is going to kind of step up and take that eighth spot? I think there's a few candidates for it. I really like the Kings with uh, De'Aaron Fox is one of my favorite young point guards in the league. He can score. He can play defense. He's fast. He's athletic. He can pass all right. He has got He's got a good handle. Um, he's got like a good vision about him. I like the way De'Aaron Fox plays basketball. Buddy Heald is a knockdown shooter. Uh, Bogdanovich is coming off a great World Cup performance. Bagley, I think, will be a starter. Uh, he's shown to be good uh, in his bench minutes. I think he'll continue to develop, and he'll be a good player for the Kings as well. So I think they could be a team that sneaks into the eighth seed. I think the Spurs, it's criminal to count the Spurs out. Greg Popovich is a great coach. He always finds a way to get in the mix. Uh, DeRozan will obviously be there. LaMarcus Aldridge will obviously be there. But they're older now, so we'll see how they play. If DeJounte Murray is able to stay healthy for the whole season, the Spurs organization seems very high on him. We'll see how he's able to perform. And I think the Pelicans are another team in the West that might be able to make some noise. Lonzo and Brandon Ingram have a few years of experience under their belt. I know uh, Zion Williamson is still young. And he's still a rookie, so we can't put crazy expectations on him. But they've got a decent team, and Alvin Gentry is a great coach. So there's a there's a chance they sneak in at the eighth seed. Uh, next up, let's talk about some good teams in the East, teams that I think will be decent. Uh, they'll make the playoffs in the East by nature of playing in the Eastern Conference, but they're probably not contending for a title. So this is a team like the Brooklyn Nets, who basically their offseason moves were exchange D'Angelo Russell for Kevin Durant and add Kyrie Irving. This year, obviously, Kevin Durant is out with his Achilles injury. So it's really going to be last year's team with Kyrie subbed out for D'Lo. So I think they're going to be a little bit better of a team. I think Kyrie's really excited to play there. And this is the first time he's gotten a pick where he gets to play. So we'll see if he can come with some some new energy and passion for the game that seemed to be missing when he was during later in his term in Boston. Um, so Brooklyn will be good. We'll see how the team gels without KD and see how KD plugs in next year, really. I think another team is the Magic. Uh, we'll, we'll maybe hopefully get to see Markel Fultz play significant minutes and see how he plays the NBA game because he was really fun to watch in college. We'll see if uh, Nikola Vucevic can sustain after having an all-star season last year. I think he's a decent big. Um, and, of course, they play in the East, which helps pad their record a little bit. We'll see Aaron Gordon continue to develop if he can start drawing fouls more regularly make better decisions on defense, but he's still a very good, very athletic young player. Uh, Boston is interesting. Uh, they added Kemba Walker, lost Kyrie, lost Al Horford, added Inez Cantor, who's a very bad defender, in my opinion, for a five, but all right on offense. And they continue to have a log jam at the wing with Gordon Hayward allegedly being fully healthy now, Jason Tatum, obviously, Jalen Brown and Marcus Bart, both kind of fighting for that uh, two-guard spot. 
and Kemba running at the one. It's going to be difficult, I think. I would personally start Marcus Smart in order to get the defensive help to cover for Kemba's uh, lack of defensive ability. But there's, I think there's about four people who want to start for three jobs, and nobody's going to be happy because they're all fairly talented players, and nobody, I think, wants to accept a smaller role on that team. So we'll have to see how that chemistry plays out. And for that reason, I don't think Boston's going to be able to like, make a huge push. I think Miami Heat have a chance to make the playoffs with Jimmy Butler. Maybe they make a big trade for some kind of point guard. Um, the Raptors put Kyle Lowry on a very interesting $30 million one-year deal. Uh, so he could match, they would have to match salaries, but it would only have to take on a one-year contract for an older point guard, uh, which could make it an appealing trade for Miami to pair a good point guard with Jimmy Butler. Tyler Heroes had a great preseason. We'll see if that shooting streak can transfer into the regular season in the NBA. The Detroit Pistons are interesting. They added Derrick Rose this offseason. And, of course, they have Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond in the front court, which is a pretty formidable front court. Um, I wouldn't sleep on the Indiana Pacers. If uh, Victor Oladipo gets healthy early and is able to stay healthy, with him and Malcolm Brogdon running the offense, and DeMontis Sabonis and Miles uh, Turner down on the low block, I think they're going to be a very difficult team to play. I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to finish as the third seed in the East behind Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Um, they were on pace last year before Oladipo got hurt, so we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, other teams that I think are kind of young, maybe they'll develop into something interesting soon. The Atlanta Hawks with Trey Young, John Collins, and they added DeAndre, DeAndre Hunter, who's a rookie out of Virginia. They seem to have an interesting core, a strong young group of players. We'll see how they grow and develop. Another team that's young and I'd like to see grow is the Memphis Grizzlies. They added John Morant, who is one of my favorite prospects out of this year's draft. Uh, he, he's down there with Jaron Jackson Jr., Andre Iguodala is actually still down in Memphis, although he still might be traded. Uh, people in the national media are pushing for a bailout because they want to see him play for the Lakers. We'll see what happens. Uh, the Bulls are another interesting young core. They have Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr., and Zach Levine. I think the Timberwolves are maybe interesting. I, I really like Robert Covington and Carl Anthony Towns. But Andrew Wiggins really has to care about basketball again. It seems like he really doesn't, and I think that's going to hold them all back. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder will be interesting to watch. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander develop and how he plays with Steven Adams. I think Steven Adams is primed to have a big year because he gives up half of his rebounds to Russell Westbrook. So as soon as he's allowed to start taking those rebounds, I think his numbers are going to take a, a huge increase. I wonder if OKC is going to trade Chris Paul. Maybe that's a trade they do with Miami. I'm not sure. The Mavs are going to be another fun young team to watch. Uh, they have Luka and KP. Kristaps is looking healthy. Luka's a strong passer. I think they're going to work well together. The Cavaliers, I think they're not going to be a very good team, but it's going to be interesting to see uh, Garland and Colin Sexton play together. I think they're two good young combo guards, and it's interesting to start kind of two combo guards together. Whoever wants the ball can just kind of initiate offense. We'll see who ends up running point more if it's a really even split. Um, yeah, it should be pretty interesting. Wrapping back to the Raptors, we were talking about Kyle Lowry. They obviously still have Pascal Siakam. They have Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka on expiring deals. So that could be interesting trade pieces to maybe design a rebuild for two or three years in the future with around Pascal Siakam. Uh, the Knicks didn't really do anything. They drafted RJ Barrett, who will be fun to watch, but they're not a good team. I don't think they're going to do anything useful. The Hornets did the only thing worse than doing nothing was paying Terry Rozier $60 million, 
Why they did that, I have no idea. Michael Jordan doesn't appear to know how to run a team. He might be the greatest player of all time, but he's not a good NBA owner. I don't know why they're making the decisions they're making down there, but that is not going to be a pleasant team to watch play basketball. And with that, um, I guess there's a couple more teams. We've got the Wizards. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Bradley Beal. I don't think Bradley Beal wants to be there long term. They say they're going to offer him the extension or that they've offered it and that he hasn't responded. I think they're going to try to sign and trade him maybe because they can get he Beal can get a bigger salary. He'll probably be worth it. He's just entering his prime. And I think a lot of these contending teams could make a trade for him. A team like the Nuggets would be an interesting fit, although, you know, the Nuggets would have to sacrifice some depth or another team might have the draft capital like Oklahoma City or somebody um, Boston has some capital they could try to move to uh, kind of condense their lineups and consolidate some of that logjam of talent. It'll be very interesting to see what they do. Uh, next up, we got the Timberwolves. Uh, we talked about the Timberwolves, but again, I want to touch on Andrew Wiggins has to improve. And we've got the Phoenix Suns last. And the Phoenix Suns are interesting. I think DeAndre Ayton's going to develop. He's going to be great. I think Devin Booker's already an elite scorer. But I'm not sure if his buckets of points come from the fact that nobody else on the team can score or if he's just that good at creating a shot. It's going to be interesting to see how he plays with Ricky Rubio because Ricky Rubio is a great passer. And I think that's really going to help Devin Booker get better, more efficient looks. So maybe this will like be the season where we can see like Devin Booker as like an elevated tier scorer. And I think this is a team that is unfortunately just kind of stuck playing in the West. So they're going to lose a lot of games. They're going to get clobbered because they're just not very good. And they're not in a position to get a whole lot better because they don't have a ton of assets to move. They've kind of had this botched tank job ever since Steve Nash left. So we'll have to see if the Suns can hopefully get it together in the next few years because it would be nice to have um, even more competition in the NBA. But with that, I'd like to thank you all for listening. I had fun talking about basketball today and hope to see you all next week.